I am working here since October 2010, so it's nearly nearly two years now. We wanted to obviously have parents, young people, staff, and everybody contributing to something really, which I believe very beautiful. They've been training for the last eight weeks. They're doing very well actually, like you know, they're a bit apprehensive with some of them have never been on the water before. But they're really enjoying it, like and it's a great opportunity for them, like you know. My name is Ian McCarthy. I found training hard at times when the wind wasn't there because we couldn't sail. We broke a couple of masts at the same time. Welcome to Mehalmara at the heart of Cork Harbour a five-part documentary series that looks at one particular community group in Cork City that focuses on the preservation of tradition, culture and maritime heritage along with the Irish language. Mehel Mara at the heart of Cork Harbour documents how this small community group has mushroomed and evolved into a multifaceted community and boat building organisation that involves itself in various projects ranging from on Ross Moor, the ocean to city race, surveying boats in the west of Ireland and keeping the ancient art of Cork building alive and well in Cork City. Welcome to programme two of Mehel Mara at the heart of Cork Harbour. My name is Cathy O'Hare and today on the programme I'll be speaking with Cathy Buchanan, the General Manager of Mehalmara, along with Seamus who is the Manager of the Workshop. And I'll also be speaking to some of the volunteers and workers at Mehalmara. But first I'd like to welcome Cathy Buchanan to the programme. If you can give us a bit of your background, you're involved with rowing. That's how I ended up in Mehalmara, yes. I rowed competitively while I was at school and then all the way through college. And for a good while afterwards, um, in various clubs in Belfast and in Dublin, with um, the Olympic-style rowing boats, the sliding seat, plastic, fast boats, which, with, which people are very single-minded about. Just all you do is you go to win races. And then when I, as you can tell, maybe I'm from the north, County Down, when I moved to Cork, I discovered there was this current rowing club, which I thought sounded interesting. And was I was past training every day by that stage, so I joined Navoga Corky is a sister organisation to Mehalmara and got involved in Curragh rowing there. And through that, then I got sucked into Mehalmara, came onto the board in, gosh, 1997, I guess. Did you, you were volunteering as a member on the board? That's right. Yeah, the board. I'm trying to think, it wasn't the company, uh, wasn't actually incorporated as a company until 99, so the board was more of a committee at the beginning. Um, was in, I met Podrick, who founded Mehalmara through the Curragh Rowing at Navoga Corky, and then um, he had managed to get this FOSS scheme going to build the Curraghs, which is what the club came out of, and he was looking for people to sit on a committee to, I suppose, to set up Mehalmara formally. And... Um, that happened there had there was a committee before I got involved but I was one of the first people amongst the first group of people to, to sit on it and then the next thing that happened structurally with Mehalmara was the city council got funding from I can't remember which European programme it was but it was for a, a, an employment stimulus network called Creating Cork Local Employment Action Network it was called and they employed a project manager for that. And he was given the task of working with a number of community groups around Cork to, I suppose, help them develop to the stage where more employment became available through the community sector. 
um, and the person who was employed as project manager was Donna McCartan, who has been involved with Metamara ever since then. He came, he'd been working in Canada on a, with a training organization um, that worked with Native Americans, Native North American groups. Um, and he's from Dublin. So he didn't know much, he didn't know anything about rowing, but he knew quite a bit about community organizations and about training within the community. So mm-hmm. he worked with us and with a number of other groups, I'm trying to think it was the Cork Textiles Network. There was um, a group I can't remember the name of, but they were involved in recycling um, computers and IT. And there was a group in Cove as well. There was something to do with boats, which was probably the Titanic. I'm not quite sure exactly what they were. Anyway, he had this this collection of groups. And what he did with us was to set up, work with us to set up a proper legal structure. So we became a company limited by guarantee, which is what a lot of community groups and charities are in Ireland. And then the board became incorporated and has legal status. And was a couple of years after that, we got charitable status as well. Okay. So we've already established that Metalmara has a broad and diverse range of projects uh, going on at the moment. Can you talk us through a couple of them? There's one, the Community Employment Scheme. Yes, as I mentioned a minute ago, that was that was the first source of funding that, that Metalmara had. It was the Podrick's brainwave to start this FOSS Community Employment Scheme building Corrocks in the middle of Cork. He'd fallen in love with Kerrine Vogues um, through seeing them in Dunquin. And he had bought one and just threw rowing it. Um, and they went on to the Great River Race in London himself. And a crew, they had, he had a couple of guys from Cork Book Club, sliding seat boys, hardy boys. And they were probably the first Curragh in the Great River Race and they won it. So this was a great, I suppose, background for Metalmara with the building of the Curraghs and the rowing of it. Which is So the two things for Metalmara have always gone in tandem. It's not just building the boats. It's also been all about using them and getting access to the river um, and that was very much part of Podrick's, what Podrick saw for the city was getting people out on the river that wouldn't normally have the chance to get out in the river or even think about it. So from those two strands, I suppose the the community employment, building the boats continued. We have I think the next source of public funding that we got was Back to Education initiative, which at that stage came through the Department of Education. It's aimed at people who've fallen out of mainstream education um, and we use that source of fund to support work with um, disability groups. Um, we have um, homeless young people. We have it also supports some of the people who we have in our workshop who aren't funded through community employment through FOSS. And that that group of people is the last government sourced um, program that we have. It's called Community Services Program, and it's um, administered by Pobble. And its Department of Social Protection would be the main the main um, government program the main government department that's involved in that program too and it historically both ce and csp we've taken on people who i suppose have challenges in their life they could be in recovery or have some kind of disability or been long-term unemployed largely men um, and just working with their hands seems to provide some kind of rhythm and anchor for their lives and with a lot of them it's helped them expand get FETAC accredited training courses or move on to source other training elsewhere. It just has given them some kind of stability in their life for long enough to for them to be able to move on. Um, the need to balance the books has meant that there's always these 
programs it sounds great like we're on the pig's back getting all this government money but in reality there's never enough money to support everybody's wages and salaries and the overheads that we have to pay so we just have to source a bit of income it could be as much as 20 percent from either through current sales um small woodwork projects we've done various things like building church pews to garden sheds to anything anybody would commission us for we developed from Curragh's into wooden boat building and repair for a few years there um, under Pat Tanner. We've got the rowing programmes, we've done research programmes as well, uh, research projects which have been, we've just tendered for. So we've been lucky to have some Heritage Council supported work um, and one of the nicest projects we've done in the last four or five years is the production of the glorious Galway Hookers, Curragh's Lake and River Boats um, which started as a research project doing an audit of heritage boats in County Galway. And that was done with both paid staff and people, with Donald Lynch in particular, on the board, who's a volunteer, did it voluntarily for the love of the boats, which is, I suppose, the nice thing about this project is people are attracted because they love the whole, the boat thing or the rowing thing or something to do with maritime culture. Um, and then a lot of the people who we support have come from completely different backgrounds. So you get this amazing mix of people from all walks of life. How long is the training for someone that signs up for the CSP or the CE scheme? It's flexible because it depends on individual needs. So we would, if we have enough people who haven't done it, we would set up um, FETAC level three and level four woodcraft courses which could last, um, I think, 80 hours is what they, around about the general recommended time for somebody to complete it. But but there's no, with the way that we work, because we're not a school, we don't have scheduled classes, we might have one day's training a week. But then in between helping out with the other projects in the yard and the things that bring in money, people do have time to practice their skills and to work on their projects outside the, the um, formal training time. And we have people here who mightn't be um, official trainers, but there's a wide range of skills here. So people can, we call it coaching, coach one another. There's always somebody you can learn something from and somebody might be teaching you something one day and then that person might be teaching you something the next day. There's there's a really wide range of skills in here. Um, the training is done. So the formal training would be scheduled, but then... The way that FETAC works in the community sector is people can take their own time to, to get up to standard. So um, we support them as much as they can through whatever difficulties they might have in doing something. Um, sometimes people might be very gifted with their hands at the craft work, but they might be less good at describing what they're doing, which is generally part of what you have to do. So um, we give them as much support as they can to, to get their portfolios finished um, through FETAC they can be assessed there's up to six assessment periods a year and it's now up to us to arrange the assessment so it's very flexible that way. And earlier on I got to speak with Dan who is the caretaker at Mehelmara and how he finds working there. Dan Corcoran how long have you been working in Mehelmara? Um, I started uh, April 2010 so just almost two and a half years. And how are you finding it so far? Yeah, I, 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 I like coming in here. It's a nice place to work. Like, the people are nice as well. Like, there's no, no problems. Like. Mm-hmm. And can you describe a typical day, if there is such a thing, in Mehalmara? For me, yeah, well, 
my job I just as a caretaker just sort of make keep the place clean and tidy, look after the kitchen I like continue to go shopping if whatever needs to be got or check the post and that kind of thing then. What are your likes and dislikes about the place? There's, there's no real dislikes it's just well, I like it when I walk in here it, just, it gets me out it gets me out of the house at all and as I say the people are nice here like, so mm-hmm. there's no no problem so far, like. So, so wood, like. <laughs> <laughs> what are your likes then about the place? I say, that, I say the people and they say the workers as well. That's not too hard, like, you know what I mean? Basically, instead of being old boss, as long as they don't sort of do what they're stupid, like. Mm-hmm. So. And what kind of skills do you think that uh, you have learned here well, so far? Well, I've done a bit of, wood, bit of woodworking and I've done the, the ECDL, the computer, so. Okay. And how did you find the ECDL? I thought, well, I just started, was grand, but as I say, I was used to working with Apple Max and getting used to PCs then was, it took a while, but I, mean, I got the other eventually. Okay, Dan, thanks very much. Bye bye, thank you. And now I'm going to speak to Seamus O'Brien, who is the manager of the shipyard in Metal Mara. Seamus, how did you first get involved with the group? I started was about 11 years ago. I started in um, community employment. Um, I got taken off community employment after a year and I was made part-time by uh, Metal itself. And from then on, then I just became, I got extra hours and I became foreman at the workshop. After three years then, I'm here since, which was 2001. 2001 you started? Yeah. Okay, so that was, was that more or less at the beginning or? It was more or less at the beginning, yeah, because okay. I'd say it was only about 12 months in it. And can you talk me through the process of Kirk building itself? What's involved? What kind of materials? How well, it's done? Well, the, well, all the Kirks itself would vary um, because you've all different types of Kirks all around the, the coast. Uh, so nearly every county would have its own Kirk. But mainly what we've been doing or been trained as would be mostly the, the West Kerry Navogues because they're very similar, similar to all the rest of the Kirks. Um, and through the years in Deval, everyone had kind of made them their own way. The tradition kind of changed and now it's kind of dying, so, yeah. And what kind of materials are used the materials in the boat kind of, It's all straightforward, you know, it's mostly um, be spruce by deal. And so you've walked in for all the steam bending and stuff like that. And then you've walked for all the front of the boat in as well. And the spruce for the twarts and seats and stuff, so, yeah. So. And then, so for the groups coming in, how would they start off, basically? Well, basically what we start off we would do with them would be it's called a Jumfani Kirk. It's a very low cost boat. Um, it's made from hazel rod that we get ourselves in the forest and stuff. Um, so we get to pair all that and uh, we make up the frame. And that's how the, the whole of the board is done. And how it, long would a frame take to make? Um, it depends on the group. So if you would six to eight, I'd say maybe four to five, six weeks, you would have the boat well under construction. And you would just nearly kind of tip away with it at that stage with a nice crew. How long does it take to make a boat from scratch to finish? Um, well, I have a lot of bloody times uh, done already. Uh, my quickest one was nearly two and a half weeks. Mm. Um, and that was a four-hand cork. There was only two of us involved in that. Oh, wow. Um, which was good going. We've done that for um, above in the Mayo, the museum in Mayo. And it actually went into the, Mayo, or the museum then afterwards. So we're kind of in front of a lot of people that we were doing it every day and they were passing through okay. and stuff like that. So it was a really good That's experience. Good. You know, so when was that? Uh, 2007. So we built it from scratch, two of us. And, and who did you do that with? 
Uh, Patrick O'Dean yeah. uh, from Metmar as well. He's yeah, so that was a good experience. And do you find the work difficult working with people and um, everything I, that comes with that? No, I really don't. No, um, I think it must be kind of easy enough because you know you get to do, do so many different things. Because before I came here, I was doing uh, carpentry and I didn't. Uh, so I liked it as a step, but then I grew out of it. So I just didn't tell about it for me. Um, so I came here, but you think woodwork in here is the same, but it's not. Boat building woodwork are completely two different things. The only thing you bring from carpentry to boat building is your measurements, nothing else. No, there's nothing. So it's completely different. Yeah, and working with so many different things every day, so many different people. No, you just make you forget about the first thing you've done this morning, you're mm -hmm. looking the next thing, and your day just flies and everything. So. And tell me, how do you get the curve on the boat? Well, there are all dimensions and stuff like that. Uh, mostly we would come from old measurements. So what we try to do is keep it traditional and keep all the same shapes and sizes. Mm -hmm. And all uh, yeah, so we try to keep all that as much as we can. Unless some customers looking for a specific um, type of boat or different curves or something like that, we change them for them. You use a steamer, is it, to, yeah, to steam. shape? All steam, mostly, all the colours are mostly all steam bend. There's about two, three different types of colours that are nothing. That there's no steam bending, there's just straight timbers and stuff like that. So, Which yes. ones are they? Uh, they be the, the Aran, um, the Connemara, and there'd be a few others like that. There's no um, much steam in them. So. And are they more difficult to manoeuvre in the water? or? They're not, because they're actually, no, they wouldn't, because they're racers. And, you know, that's why they have them straight, because they're so flat. There's no curve on the top of them. The only curve would be in them maybe is where the hull is, and that's it then, so they use the Pacific them for racing, that's why they're so flat, there's not much curves in them bending. No. And so would that be closer to the original, traditional oh, def type? Oh, definitely, like you can go back many years ago when they were using the cowhide, like we have one or two boats here, like you look at them, you're saying, how did they do it with the skills back then? Because today, in these days, we have all these machines that takes um, time off. But then you were saying, like, how will they do this and how will they do that? It must be unbelievable, the skills what they had back then. Yeah. You know, from their bare hands, you know, to, what, to the technology we're using now. Yeah. It's been said by a number of people here that uh, you're very good at your job and that you're very respectful and understanding. That was from a few, a few of the other people I've interviewed. Do you enjoy working with people? Definitely, yeah, I think that's my main um, strength, I'd say, yeah. Because I don't even have that, you know, Besides just colour building, this you know it wouldn't be the same here because it's all about the community and stuff like that. Disability groups coming here, um, no, you really have to understand them um, and being able to work with people. Other than that, it just wouldn't be the same, you know, because you wouldn't have that many amount of people coming back, coming back all the time and stuff like that. So, do you find anything difficult about the work? Um, no, not really. It's just, no. Um, sometimes it can be challenging because the groups that come in, you know, they might be here for four or five years, maybe two or three times each year then, but um, the groups then would be looking for maybe really kind of more stuff. Um, so they'd be looking for, so you do kind of have to go to, it's coming up with stuff to kind of make them uh, feel want to hear and stuff like that. So how many people are working in the yard at the moment? Uh, just 14 of us. Okay. Um, so you've uh, most were working the, the four mornings a week, and then we've uh, three or four lads um, that are working the three day a week as well. So at the moment they're working on maybe the kind of bigger projects here, including a few on barrel and the, the dragon boats, fiber glass and stuff like that. But it's just not all about timber here, about everything. So there's the sea scheme, and then you the, the second scheme, which is called Pubble. 
Okay. Um, they're kind of they're kind of similar kind of projects, but they're all based on different kind of um, what you call training and stuff like that. Where Foss would kind of let the lads do a lot more training than Pobble would. Okay. Which is the training that we provide for Pobble would mainly come have to come through myself or any of the staff here, which is kind of. Yeah. Tell me about the new project that you're doing. One that you're not using tools with. Or oh, the personal effectiveness. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we're doing a personal effectiveness. We're 12 of us. Um, I'm tutoring them. They're doing the tutoring, they do FITAC. Um, and we're doing it through a forehand curric. Okay. From the very, from scratch. So, like, that kind of goes back to mostly all the traditional tools that they would have used back then. So, but it's take, it's making a boat from... From from scratch, with their hand, with their bare hands, losing uh, less machines as they can, and get more used to hand tools than power tools. So, we've been through it now six, seven weeks, and everyone seems to be enjoying it. Um, it's a slow process, but yeah. it, it's really kind of getting there, because everyone is trying to really find out about how it's made from scratch. No one wants to be sitting which is kind of a big task as well. So and no how many people are involved in that? Twelve. Twelve, okay. So yeah, That's, so it yeah. be twelve every Thursday morning. It's just this morning that we were rowing with them for the mm-hmm. first time, that we've all been out together as a group on the water. Uh, yeah, we enjoy that, and we enjoy the training as well. So. And is there a deadline then for getting this one ready? Well, there is. They say you have to have so many hours, and there's something like 100 hours or something like that, but um, we'll probably go over that target. Because it's the first time ever doing that project here, or that feedback, personal effectiveness, under the new guidelines. So we should be, um, we're, we're trying to head now for April. We should have been done by March. But we just have to wait and see now, because everyone's just really kind of, really happy and trying to find out loads, how to build a curl from scratch, which is good. Are there many people in Ireland building them from scratch like that, or? Very mm. uh, few, I'd say. Mm. Yeah, that I know of anyway. Um, they're mostly gone over over towards they can't get grants because they can be quite expensive to when they get damaged and they keep maintained, you know, because you get five or six years old and then you just kind of catch up and all the work on them. And do they look different to the the Dunvanahy or? Oh, they would. They've all see um, all the curls of all the different disguises, like um, like for instance now the Aran Islands uh, curl. Um, why that's so distinctive? Uh, because there's a big walking ball as well. It's over the big huge uh, bow in it. Um, that was able to take the waves and take the big high seas and stuff like that. But uh, the stories around that boat is unbelievable because mm-hmm. um, everything that they got onto the island was through this boat. If they got off the island, it was through this boat. So their boat was their lifestyle, their livelihood, everything really. It was everything. Yeah. The lads must be finding that challenging, doing everything they do, completely backwards, really. Isn't yeah, it? because you know it's actually good, like you know, because because uh, I try to stand back as much as I can because that's what the post effect would look for us. But sometimes you kind of just can't, you know, you just mm-hmm. kind of feel, you know, you just, um, I don't know, it's probably bored. Um, so kind of find it hard just to stand back and leave the lads walking away and just building the car up. Brilliant. Thanks very much, Seamus. No problem, thank you. And that was Seamus O'Brien, the manager in Mehelmara. And now we're going to speak to Mohammed, who is the On The Water Activities trainee trainer. Yeah, we need to make Sean start, uh, John start it, you know. Yeah. Okay, thank you very much. The okay. other one, take your time for a bit. Okay. John, are you ready? No, I'm trying another one. No worries. You want to do another one before we start here, yeah? Yeah, I ain't get out okay. now. So what are you doing today, Mohammed? then? Today I'm working with uh, a group called CityLink. We have only two people today. Like you see, Anthony is doing the wood here. And we have John, who tried to tight the korok. Uh, it's a relaxing day. We are happy. 
they know what to do. And I try to supervise them a little bit and try to be helpful. You've been working in Mehal Mara for how long, Mohammed? I am working here since October 2010. So it's nearly, nearly two years now. So it's more than a year and a half. Okay, and what were you doing before you came to Matamara? Uh, I was doing, I was like doing things, like uh, doing courses. I wasn't living here at, at that time, you know, so I was new here. So I was trying to learn my English, you know. I was doing like some classes in English. And so is this a CE scheme that you're doing? Yes, I'm doing community employment in Mahanmara, yeah. What kind of skills have you been learning here? To be honest, uh, the most important skills is how to try to teach people, especially people who, are, who have a little bit disability. Mm-hmm. So try to understand them, mm-hmm. try to help them. And uh, it was like, how I put it in English, loving challenge for me mm-hmm. because it's like you need to have some gift to some patient to do this job, you know. And really, I like it, you know. And not only that, you know, I, I have some experience in wood. So when I am in the workshop here, I feel so comfortable to, and I'm not afraid to pick up any tools, you know, and make me happy. Is the tra- do you find the training difficult? Not at all. For me, not at all, because something I love, I love wood and I love sea. When you say training, so training people or for me, my training? Well, both. Uh, to be honest, I find it very easy and uh, we have amazing people here, you know, from Kati to Ross, Seamus, you know, everybody's understanding and helpful. And not only that, I am in love with, with wood and with water as well, you know. And when you love something, I think it's easy to learn it, you know. So you're involved in both stuff that goes on in the workshop and out at sea with groups of yeah. youths, is it? Yes, sometime. My real job here is water activity assistant. Okay. Most of the time I be like training young people in the water, helping us, you mm-hmm. know. But sometime, because we have uh, sometime I try to be involved in, in the workshop and I think it is a very positive thing, you know. Well, how did you find out about Mehal Mara? Uh, it was a very nice lady who worked in uh, an organization called Partnership based in Blackpool and we did a couple of interviews. I told her what I like, what I don't like. And I talk about seeing the water and swimming and things like that. And uh, she say, she was talking about Mehmara and she said, this is very good place, you know, after they advertise the job and, uh, and Faz, she said, this is, I think, is what you're looking for. Describe a typical day in Mehmara, if there is such a thing. A typical day? Uh, to be honest, like you say, it's not such a thing, you know, it depends the weather, because uh, sometimes we work with people who it's not easy to, could, to get them motivated, so but I wake up in the morning, come here, try to be before nine, uh, have my coffee, my black stone coffee without sugar, uh, try to go to the computer, 
try to put some attendance for city links for groups and ask uh, Ross, uh, Kati, even Seamus if they need anything. And sometimes it's always things like driving, maybe, you know, going out, shopping, go bring some wood, sometimes cleaning, sometimes, you know, depends, depends. And how often would you go, go out on the water with the groups then? Uh, like in summer, most every day, sometimes every day. This summer we aren't lucky as last summer, you know, the weather and the rain and everything. And uh, But you say every day I work here and be underwater. If I'm not training people, I'm bailing boat or, you know, fixing corks or, you know, doing things in the water, which I love, you know. And are you involved in the Atlantic Challenge? Atlantic, you're asking me about Bontree? Yeah. Yes, I am one of the men I consider myself. I am uh, one of the responsible for this. I feel very comfortable when I'm with everybody in Fiumbara. I try to be involved and try to teach every trick I learn to the, to the crew and most of them are new. So, and it's nice to see people picking up ideas and uh, try always to find the easy way to be fast in the water, to be safe and to be quick. Safety, yeah. And what are your hopes for the future then? No idea, <laughs> I don't think so. We should think positive. I think everything is going well. But to be honest, me, if you ask by myself, I always try to think positive and see things like uh, normal, normal way. I try to do my job daily and try to be helpful. And uh, yes, I don't know, future, we'll see what, what's going to happen, you know. Thank you, Mohammed. You're welcome, uh, Mrs. Scotty, uh, Mrs. <laughs> uh, Mahir. I actually had the privilege of going to one of the boat launches with Mehal Mara, and it was with the YAP group, who are the Youth Advocacy Programme, and they were very lucky to have the Minister, Catherine Lynch, launch the boat for them. This boat ultimately was conceived with the idea that we wanted to obviously have parents, young people, staff, and everybody contributing to something really which I believe very beautiful um, and also participating in a very uh, and it's a, a special race in Cork City as well at the same time and I think this it's, this board itself I think symbolises I think the, 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 the co-partnership that we have with parents um, as well as young people building something together and I think that's really important um, I do want to pay a special thanks certainly to Seamus Harry and the staff in Mahamara for obviously being kind and gentle and supportive as the Believe me, there were times where Seamus was looking at me, man, that's not going to work, that's not going to work, that's not going to work. But it, it does, obviously. <laughs> Which I always knew, Seamus. Um, I, I do want to welcome, obviously, uh, Siobhan Dwyer, the CEO from Yap Ireland, um, and obviously Minister uh, Kathleen Lynch, a very f uh, great friend um, of the, the organisation as well down for us today. So if, if I ask, I hand over to Siobhan first, if that's okay to say a few words. Hi everybody, I suppose just to um, echo Martin's thanks to Malmara um, for the piece of work. And uh, uh, I suppose in YAP, we really um, work from the point of view that um, we believe that everybody has strengths and that when you give people opportunities, that they take those opportunities and that they can move on with their lives. I think that's particularly important for young people um, and for their families. 
Um, so it's a brilliant thing to see that in an actual, you know, sometimes we talk about that and there's nothing physical necessarily to show for it, except for how the young people and parents themselves feel, which is really good too. But it's great for us to be able to see something like this. So on that note, I shall introduce Kathleen Lynch, um, who, um, the minister, who very kindly agreed to come today and we're absolutely delighted to have her. Um, I may well have a go at the rowing later. <laughs> Could I just say that I know a little bit about boats? You know, um, Good. You know in Cork, you know what they say, no one ever says they're going to the beach for fair people wouldn't think you had a yacht. <laughs> but my husband actually worked at sea for 28 years. Um, I'd recommend it. Good for your marriage, take my money. <laughs> as soon as he decided to retire, I got a job in Dublin. <laughs> Again, I'd recommend it. <laughs> Could I just say that um, YAP is such an incredible organisation because I think what it does is it takes under their wing to a great extent, not just the children, but the families uh, that surround those, those young adults, I suppose when they must feel uh, that everyone else has lost faith in them. And, you know, Yap takes them in, works with them, and says to them that, you know, it's okay, it's okay. And there are days when it is okay not to be okay. There are days when it's okay not to be okay. And they take them under their wing, and they work with not just them, they work with the whole community that surrounds them and their families. And that must be such a comfort, not just to the young adults themselves and the, the kids themselves, but indeed to their families. And, you know, most days when I'm passing, the Martin's office is either a hive of activity or it's entirely quiet. And usually when it's entirely quiet is the time I get worried because I know he's out there somewhere. I'm under the desk. <laughs> and he's negotiating a piece on behalf of kids and families who are having particular difficulties on that day and trying to negotiate a space and trying to negotiate their path into the future and I think that is so important you know we do we are inclined we are inclined to dismiss people too easily in Ireland and to say that you know it is pointless getting involved here that there is no hope but there's always hope there is always hope and I see so many kids whom I knew, and I, and I met some people here today who in the past, who in the past, in the distant past, had huge difficulties, and yet have come through, you know, and function extraordinary well as adults, and bring to that space an understanding that only that experience can give you, only that experience can give you. So YAP does that, and they do it incredibly well. They do it incredibly well. Now, when Martin said to me, that we're building a curruck. I said, mm, yeah, okay, okay, we'll see that. And when he said that he was going to be involved with Mel Maher, which I have, you know, enormous time for, because at a time when everyone else was running out and buying the yacht, they were teaching the skills. And they were teaching the skills to a group of people that normally would not have the opportunity to even experience the whole notion of wood, the whole notion of turning wood, the whole notion of putting wood into steam in order that it bends in a particular way. And that's what they did. Our river, getting us back involved with nature. And you know, I've always had a great place in my heart for them. And every time I pass it, I try and tell my grandson about what they do in there. And it's difficult to understand what they do. 
because it's more than just the physical building. It's more than that. It is about the connection. It is about the need to, if you like, work within a team because boat building is teamwork. Is teamwork and teamwork is good for all of us. Having the ability, and it's not something that comes naturally at all, to work within a team is something that is learned. It's not something that comes naturally. And that's why both YAP and Melmara and all of those organizations coming together is an incredible experience. I know that this this good ship, this good ship, <laughs> this good ship will give hours and years of pleasure to those who come after us. So it is with great pleasure that I'm here today and even greater pleasure to watch others board this boat. Well done, Martin. Well done. Obviously, because we're a youth-focused uh, organisation, I think it's really imperative that we launched a boat uh, in a very Cork style. Um, so, can I ask uh, Elizabeth and Jade, if that's okay, would you come up with Mr. Kathleen Lynch? As I said, it is very Cork. So, instead of champagne, we decided to use Tanora. Oh, we're going to throw it up in the air and hopefully it'll land on the boat's head. <laughs> on the decking, yeah. Are you ready? Are you ready? One, two. Oh, no, no, come on. Take two. That's it for Programme 2 of Mehlmara at the heart of Cork Harbour. In Programme 3, I'll be speaking to Ross Kenny, who is the On The Water Activities Trainer. My background is in water sports, um, windsurfing, sailing, kayaking, that kind of thing. And during work placement, one of the people I was working with was a rower with Navoga Corky, who were involved with the Corks. It just led from there to work with some of the youth groups with Mehlmara on a voluntary basis. And I'll also be speaking to many of the youths involved in the youth projects there. Good activities and all, it's good to get out of the house, you know. Yeah, meeting so many people as well, you know. Looking forward to the next event now. Companionship between sort of getting to know each crew member, especially than you would just going to training. You have to get to know them because you're always with them. Rowing is difficult, but I like it. And sailing, I'm always worried about like ropes coming loose and stuff and things falling down, but I like it too. From myself, Cathy O'Hare, I'd like to thank you, the listeners, and also everybody that contributed to the programme. This programme was made with the support of the Broadcasting Authority of Ireland.